The Armchair Illini Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the best online ticketing site you can find. Why? Well, because it pulls from every other available ticketing site to give you the best price possible. There's no need anymore to check out 10 different ticketing sites to find the deal you're looking for. SeatGeek basically does all of that for you. Not only that, but SeatGeek has a value system sorted by color to let you know if you are actually getting a good deal on your tickets or not. You can sort by best value, lowest price, and more. Now here's the best part. If you use code ARMCHAIRILLINOIS, all one word, you can get $20 off your first order. So what are you waiting for? Attend your next unforgettable sporting event or concert by checking out SeatGeek today. Again, use promo code ARMCHAIRILLINOIS, all one word, and get $20 off your first order. They're holding their breath in champagne. They'll let you know. Peters on the roll. That's what I expected. Looking for the end zone. Throwing. It's caught. Daniel Parker. Touchdown. Welcome, everybody who's listening uh, to the Armchair Illini podcast, Twitter space edition. Uh, tonight, uh, we'll be previewing Michigan State a little bit. But Alex, before we do that, and before we introduce our guest, who's been waiting for a little while, and thank you, Connor, uh, for waiting a little bit, I want to get your take on the Nebraska game, because we haven't really gotten to talk about it. Um, you were unavailable Saturday to talk about it a little bit. What were you, did you think about Nebraska this past week? Yeah, so the first quarter, it was really, really weird, right? So... Um, you know, you had that whole thing where Tommy DeVito scrambled, uh, didn't get the first down, and then, you know, you're in goal position, and then you had a penalty that pushed you back. Or no, you had a screen pass, and you lost like 15 yards, and then you iced your own kicker, ended up having to punt it. And then from that point on, it was, uh, you know, just total domination. Uh, the defense showed up, did their part. Seth Coleman was amazing. Um, Sydney Brown, rest of the, the defensive backs were killing it too. So it was another just solid performance and I'm still not used to it to be quite honest, because it's like each week you're kind of holding your breath because I think Lovie Smith made it, he made winning big 10 games to seem like, you know, once in a blue moon time and Brett Bean was doing it week by week with just solid, you know, you don't beat yourself too much, just solid football. DeVito looked great, had two incompletions. Um, first incompletion was like in the third quarter. So um, overall, just total domination, which makes me really excited for this week. Um, you know, before we get to Connor and our guest here, but I, I'm like 95% percent sure that I'll be at the game. So can't wait for that. That's awesome. I know you, you've been wanting to get to a game this year and hopefully it works out for you this week. And hopefully that's a, that's a good time. It should be, hopefully, fingers crossed, a good a good day to see a game. I think it's supposed to be pretty warm. I don't know what the rain looks like for that day, but uh should be a pretty nice day for a November football game for sure. Yeah, definitely. Which is awesome. So, all right, let's let's move into this Michigan State preview a little bit. Obviously, Illinois coming off a pretty like ho hum victory against Nebraska where they take care of business. Uh, but Michigan State has had quite the last few days, uh, putting it mildly, probably. Um, so we have Connor on here. Uh, Connor knows Michigan State stuff really well. Super excited that he was down to join us tonight. Um, so, Connor, what's Michigan State looking like heading into this one? Uh, 
honestly, I like thinking about football after the past three days has been so exhausting. But I mean, as you guys know, everything going on and the suspensions and all that. So like, I don't even know like what our defense is going to look like. We lost, was it like, I think three starters on defense. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm looking forward to like just watching them get back out there and actually play football and all this stuff behind the scenes will sort itself out hopefully. Um, but I'm excited for this matchup. I know Illinois has a really good defense and uh, our offense has been pretty lackluster to say the least. And our defense is getting a little better. So this might be like one of those classic, you know, 13 to six big 10 battles that I mean, I'm sure you're used to watching, but as a Mark D'Antonio fan, that was what he was known for. Yeah, definitely. Um, before we kind of get into the whole off the field stuff, like you said, I'm sure it's been exhausting. Um, but kind of going into the Michigan game, um, how were the Spartans looking? You know, I know the first half was very closely fought. Um, and honestly, you know, I was watching the highlights, you know, listening to people's thoughts. And Michigan State seemed to play pretty well. Obviously, they're going to look a little bit different this coming Saturday due to the suspensions. But football-wise, how are how are they kind of looking going into the Michigan game and even during the Michigan game? So I thought they looked a lot better um, against Wisconsin. Like we we had seen all year long, the defense had been struggling, the offense had uh, not really carrying the load. I wouldn't say because they hadn't been playing much better. But against Wisconsin, the defense looked way better. The offense had some like big big chunk plays and like some, some sparks. Um, so that was encouraging. So going into the Michigan game, we had the bye week after Wisconsin win, and then going into Michigan week, I was a little more confident than I was during that four game losing streak. Um, and they played well for, for the first half they were in the game. It was 13 to seven at halftime. Um, I thought there was a lot of questionable play calling in situations that, you know, you could have picked up a first down on third or fourth and one, and you you call plays that are kind of setting your offense up to fail. That happened multiple times where drives ended that could have resulted in points, could have, you know, made things a little more interesting in the end. But, you know, Michigan just lulled them to sleep with that run game. So I'm more encouraged about the defense. The offense is actually a little more concerning than I would have expected at this point in the year. But the defense is, is stepping up when it needs to. So, Connor, you brought something up uh, there, a four-game losing streak. Now, going back to the preseason, um, Michigan, I believe, was in the top 25 uh, preseason ranking. Expected to be very good. Uh, I think most people who are Illinois fans, when they were doing their preseason predictions, trying to see a path to six wins, which is laughable now. Um, Illinois might actually finish with like 10 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, most Illinois fans had this game chalked up just as a loss uh, before the season started. Michigan's Michigan State's ranked. They're good. Uh, Mel Tucker's doing his thing. They won 10 games last year. Um, and, uh, so what's just, if you can, uh, you know, you don't have to, uh, you know, write a novel here with this answer, but just – just stay. What what's happened this year to Michigan State? Um, that's that's a low. That's I feel like that's a I know loaded, it's loaded, but... <laughs> Um, honestly, it, it's a combination of the defense not getting better, getting as much better as we expected, and Peyton Thorne not taking that next step at quarterback. And it's hard to put a lot of 
blame on Thorne because I don't I don't think State would be in a different position if there was a different quarterback in in charge. But you know, he admitted he'd been playing through an injury through the first half of the season. It's like I mean, if you knew that, honestly, it's time to be a little selfless and, and you know, have someone else start while you're rehabbing or doing something. So it's it's a combination of those things. Yeah, and then kind of going off of the offense, not being able to take that next step. Um, what's been going on there? Because outside of Thorne's play, you know, Jaden Reed came back. Um, I know you have Kenneth Walker going to the NFL. That's a big loss. But what's been kind of the struggle – um, offensively for the Spartans, you know, outside of Thorne's play? I think that the offensive line is just having a tough time winning their their battles in the trenches, opening up holes in the run game. Um, we haven't gotten any push all year with uh, our, our running backs. There, there's been very few holes. Obviously, a guy like, like you said, like Kenneth Walker can mask those problems. But even, even with that, like, with this offensive line this year, I don't know if he has the season that he had last year. Like this offensive line has not set our running backs up for success. And the play calling has honestly been super disappointing, not playing strengths, you know, running it when we should be passing it or doing like a delayed handoff on a fourth and one inside, you know, Michigan's 10 yard line. And instead of doing like a QB sneak, obviously Peyton Thorne admitted that he had the option to do a QB sneak, which was disappointing to hear, but it's, these these things have to be like offensive coordinators got to make that final call and he's he's kind of dropping the ball with the play calling and the offensive line is just not helping out that's pretty disappointing to hear uh obviously you know this team has not been um what you all expected it to be uh, you know I, I already mentioned especially after last year especially after you know Mel Tucker gets paid enough money to buy Twitter and uh you know, he's got that huge contract and vibes were pretty good heading into the year and it just hasn't worked out that way. But um, like Alex alluded to, you know, they did put up a good fight against a very good Michigan team um, for, you know, the first half really. And, um, and Illinois, you know, even though I do think they would beat Indiana by three plus scores if they play them today, um, mm-hmm. lost to the only Big Ten East team they've played this year. So what's kind of... Um, a matchup for Michigan state that you think could kind of play in their favor on Saturday? That's a, that's a good question. I think, I mean, honestly, I know Illinois biggest strength is the defense and, you know, they've kind of locked everybody down this year. I think it, it, Indiana is the only team that scored 20, which is shocking to me. Um, They're terrible. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, I still don't understand how that game happened, but, We'll, we'll move on from there. I'm sure you guys don't want to talk about it. But um, I think that Michigan State, their biggest strength is their receivers. Uh, we saw that against Michigan. Peyton Thorne kind of threw it up to Keon Coleman. He threw it up to – he didn't throw it to Jaden Reed as much, but Keon Coleman is such a matchup nightmare for cornerbacks. He's like a 6'4", built like a truck receiver who can get down the field and makes guys miss. So he – he's going to have to have a few like jump balls. I know it sounds so like lazy to do, but throwing it up to your, your, your guy who's just going to go up there and, and get the ball is kind of like our only offense at this point. And it worked against Michigan for a half and then they stopped going to it for whatever reason. I, I honestly don't know. That second half was just bizarre. Um, but Coleman finished with like four catches for 155 yards 
they need to go to him and go to, to read as much as possible. You know, sometimes you got to abandon the run game, which is, I, I have a feeling that's what they are going to do and what they should do. So I think the, the biggest, biggest matchup that I want to see Michigan take Michigan, Michigan state take advantage of is the receivers against some good cornerbacks. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jaden Reed's a dude. So I'm really excited for him to go up against our defensive backs. Uh, who have been we did really, say really the same good. thing about Trey Palmer last week. And he had True. For yeah, one. and Witherspoon, so, Witherspoon, Quan Martin did their thing. But wanted to ask you, you know, a lot of things have happened in the past couple of days, obviously with all the suspensions, um, you know, the legal action, things like that. Um, what's kind of your take, you know, for the common Illinois fan um, as to, like, what kind of transpired there? and everything that kind of happened in the tunnel. And going off of that, like, how do you expect Mel Tucker's team to come out, um, given all that? And then, you know, it's a ranked team on the road. Um, you know, you have four games left to kind of, you know, make your statement to get to a bowl game. Um, you don't necessarily need this one, but, you know, a win at, in Champaign against a ranked Illinois team would go a long, long way. So um, two-part question there, I guess. How do they come out and kind of what happened? Um, so basically after the game, um, you know, emotions run high, there's no excuse for, for what happened, but state was going into the tunnel. Um, a Michigan player who is, I guess, going to, to go visit with his dad who dry, who's a long haul trucker was waiting for him in the tunnel. So he went in there. I don't know. There's, there's no, you know, talk about if, trash talk was exchanged i'm sure words were exchanged but michigan state took it a step too far got in his face um a, a teammate of the michigan player jamon greens came to his defense they kind of threw him around pushed him into a door i don't know punches were thrown on both of them i believe so it was just kind of an ugly situation um you gotta really give give credit to the the captain uh, Xavier Henderson for going in there and kind of kind of breaking it up um, thankfully nobody else got you know the whole team didn't just start wailing on the guy but I mean there's there's about eight eight to ten guys who are in there doing something they shouldn't have so um, Mel suspended I think I think five, four guys right away and then he suspended another four or five yesterday. So, um, basically just a, just a stupid lapse of judgment. One guy probably will get kicked off the team for, for using his helmet and the whole thing. Um, it was just ugly. It was just something that could have been avoided, should have been avoided. Um, and obviously they let their emotions get the best of them and and it got ugly. So that's, that answers the first part. And how do they respond? Um, I actually listened to, Xavier Henderson or I read some quotes from him this week and he was saying how the team just needed to rally together. This is like pivotal for them to just stay together. This there's no more important time for them to, you know, work together and put this behind them than right now. And that's your captain. I feel like he's, he's a great leader. Everybody kind of follows in his footsteps. So if you got a guy like that kind of holding everything together, even if it's with glue right now, um, you, you kind of have to follow his lead. I think they'll be, I don't think this is going to be a derailment to the season. Like it's already been a bad season three and five, but with a guy like him still, you know, playing and he's back healthy after missing the first half of the year, 
Um, I think that's going to go a long way in this this final month. So I don't see them taking a huge step back. Um, they did lose Jacoby Winman for an unspecified amount of time through all this, which is terrible because he's the best player on the defense. But you know, you gotta you gotta find the next guy and move forward. So I think they'll be all right. Um, they have, they were already facing an uphill battle, so this will just this I mean this will just add a little t- a little element to it, and I think they'll be all right. I appreciate you giving some insight there. And for Illinois fans who are listening to this and are like, how maybe you don't know the whole situation. How on earth do you like have this happen in a tunnel? Cause at Memorial stadium, the teams come out of two different tunnels, but it wasn't exactly that way. So you have people going down the same tunnel. And so that can lead obviously to stuff like what happened this weekend mm-hmm. uh, where opposing teams are kind of interacting with each other, um, kind of passing each other on the way by. And that can lead to stuff that happened on Saturday. So, uh, if you're trying to get a little bit of a visual uh, for it, you've probably seen some of the videos going around too. But, um, but yeah, Connor, thanks again for, for some insight there. Um, back to the game itself a little bit. Um, you know, we do these preview pods every week, and we have somebody who, you know, kind of covers or follows the opposing team, and we say, you know, what's the key to a win for the other team? And usually they say something like, you got to stop Chase Brown. Chase Brown is the stop Chase Brown. You win the game. Uh, but spoiler alert, for the most part, like, nobody stops Chase Brown. Um, you know, he's probably going to get 100 yards and a touchdown or two. Um, but uh, what would you say, like, what has what kind of has to go Michigan State's way uh, for a win here? What do you think is kind of their key to success? I know you kind of mentioned the, the receivers, but – just kind of what's Michigan State's kind of key to success on Saturday? Um, basically, don't don't give up the chunk plays. Um, hold hold Illinois' drives to to field goals for the most part, like they did against Michigan. That was one of my biggest keys going into the game was don't let every Michigan drive end in a touchdown, which State had been doing against you know Ohio State and even Minnesota. Like I, I think we forced one Minnesota punt the entire game. Um, so I'm kind of under the impression that state, the defense has gotten a little better, so they might force some punts. But once Illinois gets those long drives going, make them end in field goals. If you make an end in field goals more more often than not, I know that sounds, again, that sounds so dumb, but like Michigan State with a competent offense against Michigan, that game is close. That game is an actual tight game because they held them to field goals. Um and that's something they hadn't been doing earlier in the year. So doing that um, kind of, like I said earlier, like abandoning the run because it just hasn't been working. If it's not working, if they realize that early in the game, stop running it on first and 10 every single time and setting up a second and long because more often than not, that's going to lead to a three and out or just a third and long ugly situation that's going to turn into a, a poor mistake by um, Thorne. So Avoiding those second and third and long situations with a first down run and uh, holding Illinois field goals or obviously punt would be ideal, but field goals will take. Yeah. And then kind of going on the flip side of that, uh, what do you think Illinois um, really needs to harp on if they want to beat the Spartans in a, um, you know, kind of quick and easy fashion? Um, I would say, probably getting pressure on Thorne, like kind of throwing some blitzes their way because 
the line hasn't been doing a great job of picking up blitz. The, the pass protection this year has been better than I expected, which has been a surprise because the run, the run blocking has been so bad. But I would say, you know, kind of getting some added pressure on him, giving him some some different looks, making him get the ball out faster. Um, that's going to force him into some some hurried passes and throwing off his back foot, which he's been known to do this year. I think that would probably that would probably work into Illinois' favor. Um, honestly, that's probably the biggest thing. You can't. I would say stopping the run, but the state doesn't have a run game, and Illinois should probably just run it every time because that's what they're good at. Yeah. Thanks, Connor, for that. We I want to get your your prediction on the game here in just a second. So, you've got a Michigan State team that's reeling a little bit, you know, after the loss to Michigan in a game in which they were competitive, but also uh, with the suspensions coming into Champaign against a ranked Illinois team. It will probably be a sellout if I had to guess. And Illinois has been playing very good at home, and Memorial Stadium has uh, really kind of turned into a home field advantage. So, Connor. What is your prediction for Saturday's game? Uh, well, I've, I've, I haven't had much optimism um, <laughs> as, as I'd like this year. I, like before the season, I probably said this was like a two-touchdown win or something ridiculous. But um, after seeing how good the defense is for Illinois, and they don't even need to put up a ton of points. I think they've only scored 30-plus a few times. Um I think that they'll probably win something like Illinois is going to win 23 to 13 or something like that. I, I could see Michigan State moving the ball a few times. Honestly, I take that back. Not not even 13 because our kicking game is a nightmare. So maybe like maybe like 23 to 10 or, or something in that range. Maybe 23, 14 if we're lucky. But I think it'll be a a 10, 10 ish point win for Illinois. Yeah, man, you're going to have to change those rankings where you put BMO and Underwood as, I think it was like the sixth <laughs> or the fifth best duo in the, in the that, big 10. That, that, that was fair. It was up. fair. <laughs> <laughs> you, had, I, you had the, the Illini going after you. <laughs> I did, but, but at least it wasn't like Indiana. I think they were 13th. So, oh God, they're terrible. <laughs> yeah, they, their duo was pretty bad. I did it based on, you know, overall work yeah, yeah overall like you yeah. got you got underwood i i like underwood as a coach i think he's like a top five basketball coach in the big Ten. but i also it's hard to grade bielema because he's been out of football or out of the big 10 right and like his his arkansas his last year's coaching arkansas were awful so like you're really going off of like his wisconsin success 10 years ago and then this year which has been great so far but it so wasn't had, great at the time you yeah, right. I mean, so. it was good. I, I said, I think I said it was like four or five and one at that time. But like, he was having a really good year. Illinois seems back in football. I think Bielema is a good coach. But then again, like, I can't just, you know, I based it off of success recently. And, uh, yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's pretty spot on. I think, honestly, Illinois fans are going to throw a riot unless they're <laughs> one. I mean, even if you put them at two, they're going to find something to, to chuck you out on um you know our our friend Ant knows that very well <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I, I put Michigan at one, and I think they were still mad about it for some reason. Oh yeah, I mean they'll find a way to to nitpick anything a Spartan fan says. To be quite oh, honest, yeah. they're 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 ruthless. Michigan fans are ruthless, as I'm sure you've probably experienced in the last couple of days. No, I can. Um, but yeah, no, I I agree with that prediction. Um, I think it's going to be kind of similar score wise uh, to what the Nebraska game last week. Um, Peyton Thorne just does not really impress me. Um, I'm really behind the. Um, starting uh, Kim, my Asian brother at the quarterback. Um, no specific bias there. I just yeah. want to see, you know, an Asian brother ball. Um, it, it kind of bummed me out when Notre Dame's starting quarterback uh, got hurt. Oh. But anyway, yeah. anyway, so that's a, that's a bit of a tangent there. Um, but no, I'm really hoping that Illinois just further cements itself. Um, I'm still on the board that they're going to lose a game that they probably shouldn't. Um, like they're bound for a bum performance. I'm not sure if that will come against Michigan State. I think it will come against, you know, a team like Purdue, who has, like, a very explosive offense. But, uh, you know, anything can happen with a guy like Jaden Reed, you know, Keon Coleman. Um, So I I, I kind of hold my breath there. But overall, I do think that Illinois is too solid. You know, they're looking too good defensively and in the trenches to to really, you know, falter at home. So I'm going to go – um, 26-10, Illinois. Very close to my prediction there, Alex. And with Connors, um, you know, Illinois in recent weeks, uh, we saw it kind of against Wisconsin and then against Nebraska. Um, they are very prone to, like, an early touchdown. Um, if you're going to get the defense at any time, it's going to be, like, the first drive of the game. Um, you know, they're still kind of figuring things out. Our defensive line got a little pushed around by Nebraska early, then figured it out. Um, they gave up a weird touchdown to a tight end that was double covered, but neither of them tackled. It was a weird kind of touchdown to give up, but it was early, and Illinois was behind, but they you know, regained control pretty quick. So I think there is an opportunity for Michigan State to um, you know, maybe catch Illinois off guard early, um, but it's very hard to score against this team in the second half, I believe. The – Illinois is winning the second half this year, like 84 to 17 or something crazy like that. Um, They're just unbelievable in the second half of games. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if it's like, I don't know, 13, 10 at halftime and Illinois ends up winning like 26 to 10 or something like that. Um, And so I expect it to be close for a little bit and Illinois, for whatever reason, even against a, a bad Nebraska defense, can't score 30 points. Um, it felt like against Nebraska, they weren't, trying to score 30 points in the second half. I don't know. They're being very conservative. Obviously, Nebraska's offense was real bad with the back quarterback in there, but um, it would be nice to see them truly have a breakout game. They moved the ball really well. Tommy DeVito doesn't really turn the ball over. Um, only had two incompletions um, uh, this past weekend, and Illinois dominates time of possession. So uh, I think it'll be you know tight for a while, but ultimately, like Connor and Alex have said, I wouldn't be shocked if it's a – you know, 23-13, 26-10, something in that range kind of a game um, as Illinois has been kind of playing all year. So, um, Connor, any other thoughts uh, on, on the game, man? We appreciate you uh, coming on and giving some of your time. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. And I'll, all I have to say is that you'll see by probably Friday afternoon, Saturday morning, that I will have talked myself into believing that we're pulling off the upset and we're going to win by – you know, 10 points on the road and 
And this further, is, this is the turning point for, yeah, for Melanie's yeah, team. Every week is the turning point for me. I just feel it. This this is the actual turning point. I, I, I they're going to beat Illinois. They're going to you know win three straight, become bowl eligible, and then go on the road at Penn State and win that one too. Why not? Yeah, you, you kind of <laughs> just have to do it, you know, to keep yourself engaged, to keep yourself, you know, with some form of optimism, talking yourself into it. You know, uh, totally get that. Totally get that, Connor yeah. man. Uh, thanks for coming on and, and giving some of your time and um, all the Michigan State people in here. Like, good luck Saturday. Uh, we want you to lose, but and uh, we'll we'll <laughs> we'll have you back for basketball too, man. Oh, yes. for sure. It, we've kind of we've kind of had Izzo's number the last two games here, but um, <laughs> looking forward to to a fun one. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, this has been a, a good time, but definitely basketball. Hopefully, I'll be a little more upbeat when it comes to uh, the basketball season, but. Uh, Tell Izzo to use the transfer portal, man. Please, dude. I, I, <laughs> yes, I wish. I wish that he would a little more. I mean, we do have two two transfers in our starting five, but apparently this year he just wanted to roll with ten scholarship guys. So hey, that's what Illinois is rolling with right now, too. So uh, after <laughs> Luke Goody's injury, so I feel the feel the ten scholarship thing, man. That's it's tough. It's tough. But thanks for coming on again, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right, Alex. I also, before we get out of here, I want to get your take real quick on the college football playoff rankings that came out yesterday. So I believe Illinois was uh, 16 in the CFP rankings. Um, you know, uh, in typical Illinois fashion, we kind of rallied around our team um, with the underdog mentality. We're ranked too low. I, I personally think it's too low. Um, given that they're Illinois is one of 13 teams who can actually make the playoff. So to me, it feels like they should at least be 13 if they're one of the only 13 teams that can make the playoff. But yeah. uh, that's whatever. I think, but what were your thoughts on, on Illinois' ranking there? In the, yeah, I think, the it's a two part. I think it's two-part um, to kind of answer why it's 16. Um, I think, one, the Indiana loss just looks terrible on us. Um, and that's probably one of the things that's dragging us down. Also kind of going off of, um, I saw a comment saying that, you know, Illinois hasn't beaten real competition. Uh, it was on like a Facebook post. And even though we are seven and one, you kind of have to look at it through this lens. You know, every team that we've beaten, um, has kind of turned out to be subpar, um, especially looking at the big 10 West. Um, Iowa hasn't had a good season. Wisconsin has a good, had a good season, got their coach fired. Nebraska has been Nebraska. Uh, Minnesota's kind of fallen off ever since we played them. Um, I know they were doing pretty well when, you know, going into our matchup, but then um, they've had some issues there too. So um, I, I think that's probably why um, in terms of the strength of schedule, so to speak. But I definitely agree with you in the fact that if we're one of the 13 teams able, then why aren't we in that top 13? Yeah, I, I get it for like, I get it. People. Yeah. But that's probably the reason why. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, you know, it's it's interesting to see how it finishes out because, like you said, we could end up winning 10 games, but that just seems like such a foreign yeah. um, concept for me. It's like, <laughs> really? Um, yeah, last and I time I only won 10 games, I was three, I think. So Yeah, no, yeah, literally. And I think, you know, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day how Bielma has just completely exceeded all expectations. Um, you know, this is year two, middle of year two, and he's – already killing it and um it took lovey smith like five years just to get like a six and six season 
you know, so not to like throw shade at him, but you know, these are facts. So Absolutely. Bielma has been killing it. Um, I'm curious to see what kind of contract extension goes out to him. Um, you know, especially if his success continues, um, what happens to Ryan Walters. And I think the next big step to, for him is how does he deal with a staff turnover? Um, Cause yeah. I don't think that's obviously he's only been here for a year and a half, but that's going to be that big hurdle for him. Like who are his second hires? Um, once all the guys, you know, eventually move on to head coaching positions, which quite a lot of them are um, candidates for. Yep. Which is a good problem to have. Um, like with Underwood, you know? Yeah, like with Underwood. You know, we were all worried when Underwood was going to have to replace his whole staff. And he just went out and got the best recruiters in the country and, you know, and replaced some of the best recruiters in the country with arguably some better ones on the margins, um, which is cool. So, um yeah, I'm not too worried about it. You know, when you have candidates who are being looked for head, other Power Five head coaching jobs, like the Colorado one, for example, um, that just is a sign that you're doing things well, um, and that you have you know good people in in the right spots. And uh, I, you know, I think Bielema has a ton of connections, and you know, from his Wisconsin days, obviously, but also the NFL days and um, the SEC days. That kind of brought Barry Lunny here, as he was, I believe, the tight ends coach. With Bielema in Arkansas, um, and so to, he's going to hire he's going to hire Bill Belichick as like a DC <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like our like DBs coach or something. Um, yeah, that'd be funny. Um, so I, I'm not too worried about it. It's a good problem to have, and yeah, we'll see. And I know a lot of people are worried about roster uh, replenishing, but you know, the defense lost a bunch of starters this year, and we thought you know they might take a step back. And they've only taken a step forward. So um, I, I trust in their development, too, to find the right guys, get them in the right spots, and uh, we'll see kind of kind of how it plays out. But, yeah, I was just curious on your thoughts on the ranking, um, just because, you know, the college football playoff ranking, Illinois has never been in it. And it feels like it should be, you know, a lot different than the – or not a lot different, but at least, you know, pretty different than it's the like, ranking. It's like that COVID year with basketball where it was like yeah. – if we're going to have to worry about where we are in the rankings, whether it's like top 10, top five, whatever, what it was with basketball that year, yeah. um, you know, that's a good problem to have. And Absolutely. your program's in def- good hands. And I take this any day over, um, you know, who do we have to beat to get to our sixth win, which I thought was a position For we were sure. going to be in, quite honestly. So um, definitely, like you were saying, a good problem to have. So, um, and if anyone has an answer to this question, that is not Alex. Just feel free to, to speak up here. But I, if Illinois beats Michigan State and Purdue loses to Iowa, does Illinois clinch the Big Ten West? Is, do you know that, Alex? Because I think they would clinch if they beat Purdue next week. Yeah, I think – so, I mean, we have a one-game lead. So, I mean, if we win today or win this Saturday and Purdue loses, that would obviously be a two-game lead. And I think there's three games left, so I don't think it would clinch. I think we would have to win the next two. So yeah, the reason you um, clinch against Purdue, even if Purdue win, beats Iowa, is because of the head-to-head tiebreaker. I think. Oh, great! They're playing Iowa. Okay, yeah. Um. So yeah, I think you know that Purdue game is gonna. That one kind of worries me. I think I said that before the Nebraska game. Um. You know, just the explosiveness that they could possibly have, but they showed Nebraska got shut down. Yep. They sure did. Trey Palmer, one catch for one yard. Hopefully uh, shutting down top receivers is a trend for the rest of the year. Um, but, Alex, this has been a pleasure, man. Um, you know, We'll be back 
hopefully on Saturday uh, with some uh, post game uh, space reaction to to Michigan the Michigan State game. Hopefully a victorious one. Alex, have a good time at the game, man. I hope that's a blast. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, I'll let you know how it is, and um, you know, can't wait for the post game space with you. Yes, sir. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.